This is Limitless Possibility. I'm Yannick Mangan. And I'm Luc Olivier Dimeble. And we're back. What's our topic this week? Hey, we are back. And you know what? We hadn't had enough before our vacation. So now we'll still talk about photography and all of its related topics, which includes hardware, which includes software, which includes taking pictures, which includes you being back from Japan, me being back from Disney World. Lots of fun topics. And yes, we're back to this evergreen topic because I have so much more to say. That's cool. Uh, but first, we have some follow-up. Uh, do you want to go first? Oh, yes. Uh, first item I have is uh, congrats to us, Yannick. Uh, I know we're back from vacay, but it does mean that we crossed over the five-year mark. And I think uh, we just uh, need to take a couple of uh, seconds to just celebrate this uh, five-year anniversary. And on that note, I guess that's the celebration. Woo! Yay! Perfect! That's out the window. Now, back to one of my evergreen topics for follow-up, car infotainment system. I don't know if you saw the news in the last, let's say, two, three weeks, but especially last week and two, three weeks ago. No. Okay, so uh, so the news started with some article from Jalopnik about three weeks ago, which was uh, the J- uh, Jalopnik journalists going to a new Ford launch because Ford finally announced the latest version of Sync, which is Sync 4. And they've demoed what it would uh, be like. And to be honest, like it looks quite good. Uh, of course, because they're changing a lot, this is going to be something completely new and only requiring new, uh, it be included in new cars. It won't be an update to your current Ford car that might already be running sync 3 of course not i yes that i'm not surprised mainly because from what you can see they are also kind of bundling that up with um an up the upgrade hardware upgrade my goodness that was hard to say for no reason the what they've demoed is two kind of configurations they've demoed first of all a 12 inch landscape screen configuration and a 15.5 inch portrait unit um and then I'll include a link to Jalopnik and some tweets because especially this week, we've seen the first car that will include that updated sync infotainment system. And that's the new Mustang Mach-E electric SUV. And it will be the first one to include this uh, portrait mode uh, of the sync 4 and it looks quite gorgeous to be honest uh i'm eager to see it in person because it's good to see it in screenshots but sometimes they are uh they are make or break when you use them because some of them i've seen i think, I think the volvo one when it started it looked great on screenshot but the uh, performance was not great and i've Oh, I think I'm mixing up with the Jaguar one. But uh, one of the fancy European luxury brand had an uh, infotainment that looked good but needed a couple of software updates because it looked good but it performed not so well. So I'm really eager to see what uh, Ford will be doing and uh, what I'm seeing right now is quite nice. So I'm eager to see it being shipped in the next few years because F- Ford announced that this will get released with the first few cars in t- 2020 and the first one we see as i mentioned was this new electric card from them you know what we need i don't know we need digital foundry for car infotainment systems that would be really nice really nice i would just watch that all day long it's funny because 
when I re- when I watch uh, Doug's the Mirror's car reviews, and it m- most most of these the kind of uh, quirks and features, he will spend a lot of time going through the car infotainment system, especially with new cars, because you know what, a lot of the quirks and features of cars these days are hidden inside those infotainment systems. And sometimes he mentioned, oh, you know, it's quite nice. It's like uh, like it's uh, like as performant as your phone interface, and then he taps on a button and it's like click. <laughs> oh it does something I'm like no it's not as performant on my fucking phone and sometimes he says that and it's true but sometimes you look and it's like you can see it's being so slow or, or especially with gestures so you swipe to move to the next page and you see like it is shuddering to go to the next page like oh crap but we do know and I'm sure if our listener have been into recent cars that sometimes the bar is not that high for those systems. So for them to have like gesture, pinch to zoom and all that stuff is considered a big feature uh, for those for some of those systems even in 2019. And that was it for me for follow-up. All right. Uh, last episode, I explained that the sales tax was going to raise in Japan from 8% to 10%. Uh, and I mentioned that I was worried about the impact on the arcade industry because it was barely surviving with an 8% sales tax rate. Well, in the days following the recording of episode 123, it was announced that Kawasaki Warehouse, which is a quite big arcade in Kawasaki near Tokyo, was going to close down on November 17th, which was just a few days ago. Um, so Warehouse is a massive multi-floor arcade and amusement facility that has served as one of the big centers for the dance game community in Kanagawa Prefecture. Uh, And it's also largely beloved by retro gaming enthusiasts because they have a huge collection of retro games. And initially, people were quite concerned that it was directly in response to the higher sales tax rate because it was literally a couple days after the change happened. But this was quickly rebutted by staff. Uh, It was actually caused by a disagreement with the landlord who owns the building that Warehouse was in. They've been trying for years to actually turn that into condos and they finally figured a way to get them out of there uh but we were actually quite reassured to hear that warehouse is doing quite well financially otherwise uh so during my trip i went twice to go pay respects to warehouse because it is a fantastic arcade once with my general gaming friends and another time with my music gaming friends and it really is a shame to be losing such an easily accessible huge collection of 90s retro arcade games um but there was kind of like a mini closing ceremony which is like when people got kicked out at the end of the day, of uh, the last day, uh, the owner of the place uh, gave a little speech and pretty much teased that a new warehouse might open around the same area soon. Uh, so kind of bittersweet, um, but looking forward to hearing more information about that. Uh, there have still been numerous arcade closures uh, following the 10% sales sex change. Um, so I will be keeping an, an eye on that and reporting on that in future episodes. Next up, we can't not do it. I got to use Apple Pay and Suica on my Apple Watch while I was on my trip. Nice! Yeah, so uh, on the last episode, I sort of mentioned that I was thinking maybe I would have to switch it off to my phone. It turns out that actually because of the Typhoon 19, which happened right before I left, um, the highway was out of commission to go to Nagano, so we didn't actually go. Uh, We ended up going to Tokyo Disneyland instead, which is kind of funny because we're also talking about Disney this episode. Um, So I managed to keep Suica on my Apple Watch for the whole trip. However, I have some notes, which is it's not quite as smooth as I had expected it to be, given how smooth Suica usually is. So when the iPhone X launched a couple years ago, we talked about a reliability issue with the Felica chip that would cause about a one-sixth error rate with Suica transactions. And it turns out that I've been experiencing more or less the same error rate on my personal watch during my trip. 
And unfortunately, oh. because Japanese uh, point of sale terminals are incredibly loud whenever something fails, it can be quite <laughs> embarrassing at the checkout when it doesn't work. Um, so I, my personal theory about this is originally we thought it was something about the iPhone 10 form factor, right? Because it was in brand new form factor. We'd never seen it before. Now I'm starting to think this is because both the iPhone 10 and my watch have stainless steel and it might be huh. a material issue. Interesting. Yeah, that's my current theory. Uh, it was re- really, uh, inconvenient to have it, like, basically not work a sixth of the time. However, in all but one case, I could immediately just retry and it would work. Um, now there is this one case which really stands out, and luckily it was at the very end of my trip, where an error at checkout actually caused my cards to be completely unavailable for about a minute. Uh, and there was this message on my screen that said, updating cards, Apple Pay will remain unavailable until updates are complete. And one of the things that worried me when I saw that message is, you have to remember that my trip was like in the middle of iOS 13 launch fever, and we were getting new updates like every couple of days. Uh, so I was very worried that this meant that I needed to update my phone or my watch to the new OS before I could actually like ride the train again or pay for anything anymore. Uh Luckily, that was not the case. It took about a minute uh, for the cards to come back. But what that meant is it was more time than it would actually take me to retry the transaction. So I just ended up paying cash uh, for that thing. But overall, relying on Suica as your main payment method when you're in Japan is extremely convenient. Uh, being able to charge from your wrist at literally any time means that you can cut down the amount of reliance you have on ATMs when you're in Japan. Uh, you're still going to need cash at some point. I mean, like splitting bills, street festivals, bars and nightlife, uh, shops that only support other mobile payments, pl- payment platforms. Somehow, like Uniqlo only supports ID, which is Docomo's weird credit card p- contactless thing. Uh, but you can still, like, there were multiple days during my trip where I got away with only paying with Suica, and those days were great. And as a bonus for players of Konami Music Game, you can also uh, use your Apple Pay device as an e-amusement pass uh, for arcade games and carry one less card with you uh, because any Suica can be used as an e-amuse pass. Uh, So I had some generally nice experiences. I wish it had been 100% smooth. Uh, Right now, my error rate is significantly lower with regular Apple Pay, which is odd. I never thought I would be saying that given that Suica is the battle-tested technology, but there you go. And the rest of my follow-up is actually photography-related, so we're actually leaving it as part of the main, main topic. So let's move on to the main topic. Good. So this episode on my side will be a follow-up again. So it's a big, again, another fo- uh, type of, a typical type of follow-up episodes because I really, after coming back from uh, my trip, which I'll uh, summarize in a bit, I kind of realized that I was not ready to move to some of my next topics that I wanted to look into in my, and then I had a lot of stuff to say, uh, to come back, uh, from that because a, a lot happened during the trip regarding photos. So before I, go, I start with that and a quick summary of what happened, uh, in the week. Uh, so, uh, I went to, uh, Florida and we did two big two the two main parks in orlando florida which is literally disney world as a theme park with and we did a universal studios as also uh, i guess the second biggest in that area so to do disney world which is comprised of literally four parks and uh, universal studio which is two parks in literally seven days that was a lot so it was really tightly packed as a trip and one of the first thing that kind of happened while I was preparing my stuff is uh, 
It's not that I wanted to travel light, but knowing that the time limit we had to enjoy everything was short, I didn't want to have too much shit with me during the days while we were in the park. So we were trying to limit our our stuff to like a one small bag for myself and Tony, and we had kind of a, a banana bag. I forgot the proper name for those, but you know the the yeah, I think it's fanny packs. Bag. Yeah, fanny packs. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. Uh, that Tony used uh, here too, but that we brought there too. So we wanted to not bring too much stuff. So I was already starting the trip. I, I haven't left for the trip that I was already started to worry that I wouldn't, it wouldn't be a good trip to bring my big old big camera, which is my DSLR. Um, so option number two was to just say, oh, I have a GoPro 2. And I'm like, you know what, man? And that's where it came down to me figuring out if I would upgrade my phone, uh, before I leave or after I leave. My original thinking because of the trip and because going to, uh, Disney World is expensive was to do it after. But after reading a lot of the iPhone 11, Pro reviews, which uh, I don't think this episode will be a review of the iPhone 11 Pro itself, but mainly because one of the biggest updates is the camera this year, uh, I felt that it would be, I would be missing out on stuff, and I would miss, be missing out on a great opportunity to get, uh, to get this learning experience, I would say, or like get used to the new phone and all its camera features by, uh, by bringing it up on the trip. So yes, I kind of pulled the plug. It was an expected purchase before doing in a big trip. Uh, but I think in the end, it was, uh, quite, uh, for the, uh, for the good Indian in the trip. Uh, as I, Yannick and I were talking a bit offline before starting to record, uh, I did took, take a lot of pictures and I am happy also to report that Yannick also saw those pictures already, not even two weeks after I came back. Actually, so that's... I have some follow-up on that. So on the last episode, uh, you mentioned that there was an iCloud album with photos from Costa Rica and you said you were going to send me the link in a few days after recording. And I would like to say that I still don't have that that link, but you sort of redeemed yourself by sending me your most recent photos instead, which is good enough, I guess. I assume that at that point you were like, maybe you wanted to see the, 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 the most recent trip and not the one from two years ago. But it's not that it's stealing some of my points, but the way I shared it to you, I was not expecting it to do it this way. And I'll keep this as a teaser for later in the episode. But uh, yes, I use one of the new recent features to uh, in iOS and follows that app to share uh, the pictures with uh, Yannick. And I was not expecting to do so this way and you know what because of maybe my experience with that feature i might do it the same way to send you those costa rica pictures but yeah i think we're a small divergence but uh divergence for this but yes so uh the trip started with me being getting the iphone 11 um and the other kind of photography material i brought with myself is a couple of years back i bought myself the latest glyph uh from studio neef and at that point, uh, still available today, but at that point, I think it was part maybe, I forgot if I bought it when it was the first few shipments or maybe from the Kickstarter, but I bought what they call the Glyph full set, which uh is the Glyph itself, which is um 
camera holder that uh, lets you screw it on top of tripods. So it uses tripods. It doesn't use a tripod's mount, but it uses tripod screws. Um, so you can adapt it to tripods or like photography accessories. You can screw like flashes from what I've seen. I've seen also people using them as a rig for videography with a camera, not camera, but with lights, with uh, external microphones. So it's really flexible and really a neat gadget or neat accessory for your phone if you're big into using an iPhone or any smartphones uh, to do photography and videography. And especially with this uh, wooden end grip and this uh, wrist strap, which is more or less like it gives you this grip where you can uh, screw on top of it the glyph and at the bottom of it you also have another uh, screw hole where you can uh, screw this wrist strap which makes for a nice and usable uh small like nl setup for your phone and not having a weird end grip uh, to just end uh hold your phone so that was mainly what i brought with me for photography purposes uh it was also one of the rare moments where i did a lot of iphone videography i filmed a lot of stuff i was really nice in uh, some of slow rides because let's say i would i didn't do that in roller coasters but i filmed a lot of either some of the slow rides where it's uh, some of those that you're either on a cart on rails or in a boat in a small like slow river i think one of the good example i filmed is it's a small world yeah i guess if anybody goes to disney or the, whether it's world or land knows about the attraction that is it's a small world um so yeah, so I was also quite uh, surprised that I did a lot and uh, at my level of doing it, if I can say it this way, uh, I was surprised that I wanted to film a lot of stuff, uh, especially since last time I went, it was literally like 10 years ago. So uh, having something that you can use for filming purposes uh, was a bit harder at that time. Uh, so I ended up filming somewhat a lot amount of stuff uh not filming everything but uh i surprised myself there uh more than i would have expected it to happen so now that i've set up that i only brought up my iphone 11 pro we kind of need to talk about the cameras because that's the main thing we will we will talk today about hardware is the iphone 11 pro itself i think after literally owning a iPhones for the last 10 years. I'm getting really used to how the uh, default camera app works and the improvements made for the iPhone 11 Pro are quite nice. Uh, I feel that the new gestures plus the new button to move from the three lenses is quite neat, especially uh, with the uh, roller option when you can move smoothly from, uh, from like 1x or 0.5x till even 10x. I don't, even if I didn't do too much digital zoom, I was trying to stay between, uh, the ultra wide, wide angle lens to the telephoto lens and not, uh, rely too much on, uh, digital zoom. And it's funny because throughout the week, I was just reflecting at what I was doing and enjoying myself, but also reflecting the fact that I was slowly but surely becoming one of those iPhone review people that will go to Disney just to test the new iPhone. Yeah. Uh, which was funny, you know, because I, I've seen a lot of those pictures. I've read a lot of those reviews in the past years and especially just before leaving. And I was not saying I was trying to take the pictures, but I, I was like, remembering what i've seen in those articles plus what i was literally seeing with my own eyes and phone and i was like 
wow, I remember being wowed by a lot of things. Uh, and I remember that I was quite impressed. Uh, but what was, that was demoed in those, uh, during this press tour. And the fact that I could live it and try it myself, like in the same kind of environment. I know a lot of them, uh, a lot of them were doing, uh, were happening at Disneyland and not Disney World. Uh, but, all of this is to get to, to take the pits more or less the same pictures to see with different lighting and such was quite interesting. On top of that, for cameras, I think like the iPhone iPhone 11 Pro is more or less the natural evolution uh, every year. So it feels that it's a great improvement from my 10. I had some of my friends that were with me; they took they they were using their iPhone 10. Tony got my iPhone 10, and you know what? Like in most situation, which was during daylight uh it's hard to find a difference between what you were taking a picture with it with iphone 10 versus the iphone 11 pro uh i would say that the main difference as you might have already seen is really with uh night picture whether you were using night mode or not and uh, that's literally where the biggest difference is seen um i was looking uh some of my picture in the recent days and yes you know like I think in general, like night photography is the hardest thing to do. Um, uh, and you know what? The iPhone, whether using night mode or not, is still struggling, especially in a place like Disney, where at this time of, not at the time of the year, but because of the latest attraction, the latest Star Wars attraction, there's a shit ton of people. So, uh, to use, uh, long exposures, uh, you still end up with something blurry in your picture because there's somebody mainly somebody or kids uh, moving in front of you because there are just a lot of people. So I think I'll have to uh, maybe uh, refo- not refocus, but uh, crop some people being blurry just to, so that you can focus on uh, a better part of the picture. Uh, but as a whole, the uh, night mode and just even like the uh, wide angle lens quite impressed me compared to what I was doing with the iPhone 10, uh, especially at night. I feel that from a lot of pictures I recall taking in and also trashing, uh, I feel that with the iPhone 11 Pro, this is becoming less of an occurrence. Then there's an higher chance of you taking a picture with or without uh, night mode and there's an higher chance of you keeping it at the end because there's not weird artifacts or like lots of noise. There's still noise. Of course, there'll be noise. Like they cannot do magic with uh, a sensor and lenses that small that they are included in the phone. But I was quite surprised by the improvement in two years of what they've done, especially because I have friends that have 10Ss and felt that the difference between the 10 and 10Ss were quite minimal compared to what they just did in the iPhone Pro. So I'm going to jump in here with my with my big camera elitist opinion. <laughs> I I was expecting you to do so. Yeah, because last night when you sent me the link to your album, I was looking through them and one of the things that stood out to me and again like this so this is partially to blame on the fact that most of my night photos were taken with a big camera uh is how noisy they were. And I mean yeah, like the the old saying that the best camera is the one that you have with you stays true, right? I mean, it's great that the iPhone 11 Pro is significantly better at getting serviceable photos 
out of night scenes and low light scenes. But I, I was just like hyper tuned, like zoomed in, enhancing <laughs> on that noise. And I was like, Oh no, I thought it was going to be like way better than this. And it's not. Oh yeah. 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 Why am I not surprised? I, I'm seriously not surprised that you're saying that. Well, I, I think I'm, it mostly stands out to me because when I was at the Kawagoe Fe- Festival, uh, I mentioned in the previous episode that I got a new lens. Uh, and I basically only brought that lens with my camera uh, and took night photos while I was completely shit-faced. <laughs> and I have no idea how those photos came out sharp. I have literally no idea how any of those photos are any good. And they have like basically almost no noise compared to iPhone photos. And I was so impressed when I came back to consciousness and actually got to look at my photos and saw that they were all basically perfect. That it just convinced me that the big camera is the way to go for photography for the foreseeable future. And it's funny you say so because like I know what you mean by when you say big camera but right it's not really big and mirrorless camera right bigger than an iphone yes that's why i say i understand what you mean by big but it's not really big and i think i'm kind of joking to the our conclusion a bit but i think that's kind of what i realized with this trip i've add a lot of uh, great pictures with the iPhone. Also, if you've seen, uh, we decided to pay uh, for the what they call the Disney Photo Pass, which is... Yeah, that was so weird. To... <laughs> Why? Uh, I mean, I didn't know that existed. And then when I was scrolling through your photos, I was like, what the hell is this? And I was like, yeah. Okay, so since you didn't know what it was, I'll just give you a quick explanation. Uh, and for lesson two. So the idea is, and I think it's less than... Um, I would say I've seen that in multiple US theme park, uh, but less in Canada because for non run reason, especially here in Montreal at the theme park, uh, there's no really teams. Like it's theme park, but it's more like a bunch of roller coaster, but they're not really branded. It's typical Six Flags stuff, right? Uh, right. But don't forget that the Montreal one is a Six Flag, but from some copyright reason, I understand that, uh, they are not able to use, like, let's say, DC or Marvel brands on the roller coaster like they were doing in the US. So I've seen that more in the US where because it is branded, like, say, like, oh, this is the Hulk thingy, uh, you might have seen characters. And especially with Disney, what happens is because they wanted to make it so magical that they, you have an opportunity to meet with actors that are there to just be, uh, to embodied the Disney characters. On top of that, they also position photographers throughout the parks, and especially at some specific location. Let's say you're in Magic Kingdom, which is one of the parks, you, you, there will be a shit ton of, of photographers literally in the alley to the castle, like the main Disney castle that's there. Like I think I recalled uh, at the beginning of the alley uh, when you enter the park, and then everybody was making the queue, and then it was an employee saying, oh, no, no, don't wait here. Like, in this alley, there's at least like seven other photographers here for you to help, uh, to help you take pictures. But the idea is simple is there's photographers. Funnily enough, they're sponsored by Nikon. So it's a uh, <laughs> typical like Nikon versus Canon uh, fight. But so they, they have employees and their job day in and day out is to take pictures of you, uh, in front of either an attraction or when you go meet, uh, some heroes or some characters with them. 
and in the end asking for money to get those pictures but uh the idea was it's quite expensive because we were five splitting the cost by five was quite nice and as you saw we ended up with a shit ton of them so uh that's quite uh that's quite in the end i, I felt that it was not that much kind of a money a money grabber if you kind of assume that you'll use it a lot then every time you see a photo station you take a picture then it kind of helps you justify the cost of it because it was uh, i think it's uh, 200 usd for i think two weeks of unlimited pictures plus friends and blah 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 but let's say if you were spending maybe less days or you, you optimize everything on one day it's like a hundred dollars per day if you buy it per day let's say yeah and that that's like a problem i tend to have a lot with um the trips i go on is like i tr i think i looked back at all of my photos from the japan trip and i think i have maybe like five that have me in it so if you usually want like if you're not a selfie person which i am not really having photos of yourself can be worth a lot of money to you just because you're not going to take them otherwise if there's not someone else there to take them for you Oh, no, for sure. And of course, since we were traveling with friends, uh, we did a, okay, I don't want to go to the shared album yet, but we did a shared album and that helped fix this issue. But to kind of come back, uh, I'll talk a bit more about PhotoPass. So in the end, I did end up having a mix of phone photos and DSLR pictures. So you can see the difference. And also you can see that they're like literally people, they photographers daily. Like, I don't, uh, they do that so they are used to take your picture in front of the castle and whether it's at day or at night it's make sure that everything is shown whether it's a background and you in the foreground so like i think they're pretty great too and all of this is i feel that because of that i have a great combination of like just i took all my pictures uh yes some of the night ones are like are a bit noisy and also i'll take this trip as an experience to maybe uh, to learn how to use the phone properly during uh, night shooting. Uh, a good example I mentioned was like, yeah, uh, Disney with a lot of people when you use night mode. Uh, night mode doesn't like to have something, some movement in front of the lens, right? Because it's using long exposure. So sometimes you have to uh, frame your pictures a bit differently to make sure that there's less uh, movement uh, in it. But what also that made me realize is I don't regret there's no regret. I, maybe in five years I'll regret it, but right now there's no regrets that I only brought my phone, which is good. I think that coming back, being like, being limit, like imposing a limitation on myself with the phone, uh, was a good experiment. I'm happy with it. I'm happy with the results I've seen, but I still feel, and I've discussed that in great lengths in the other different fields. I still feel that my DSLR is not long from this world. Like, I'll need to do something if I want to get better picture at some point because this is no longer fitting my needs. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of what you're hinting at too. Is like, for you, no, no. Like, I need to have that. That is a good compromise for me. I can do a couple of iPhone pictures plus mainly uh, camera pictures. But if I want to get this quality, it needs to be... Not as small on my phone, but smaller than if I were to bring my Nikon. And that, if I want to go back to something like that, I will need to make a change. Like there's a very intentional split between what photos were taken with my phone and what photos were taken with my camera. 
more or less like photos I took on my phone were for shit posting on Twitter, uh, which is one <laughs> of my favorite activities. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, just like keeping family and coworkers in the loop via Instagram. Um, I, I mean, I, last year I had the whole micro.blog thing and we did a whole episode on it. And more or less I was like, well, f- all my work people are on Facebook or Instagram and I can cross boat, uh, cross post from Instagram to Facebook automatically. So I might as well just do that. And everyone's on Instagram anyway to follow the dogs, uh, which is my mom and my dad's accounts, uh, which post photos of our dogs. So instead of like being an attention grabber and diverting everyone's attention to some website that they don't care about, I'm just going to post it where the people are and they can see it there. Um, so that, that's more or less what wound up on my phone. And then because of the focal length of the lens that I had, like I couldn't take very close up pictures and I had to like get used to the, uh, to the 30 millimeter, uh, focal length because I was definitely not used to it. But basically anytime I was with friends somewhere, I was using my actual camera to take photos and anywhere where the focal length was convenient, I would just take photos with my camera. Uh, I've sort of given up on being like a stealthy, not looking like a tourist, uh, for these things. Like after I saw how good the photos were from the Calgary festival, I sort of said like, well, fuck this. It's always worth the inconvenience of looking like a tourist to have these good photos. And I sort of went with it. And you know what? I think these days too, um, literally, I'm sure we did have those conversations literally like 10, 15 years ago where we would say like, we will look like tourists. At this point, the main difference that happened is you clash out because all the tourists are using their phone. Like I can tell you in Disney, like all the people were using their phones. It was, I think clashing may be a strong of a word, but it was different when you saw somebody that was using a camera and in most cases that was those fancy mirrorless or like small professional-ish like those uh sony rx100 or like some of those like not point and shoot and not dslr uh kind of middle way but it's premium felt that pro it, and shoots yes something like that and but those were uber rare so when that happened i'm not sure people say you look like the tourist you just look like the uh, the the hipster photograph, the photographer and more like that because, oh, you're, he's the one that has a big camera because he cares about quality. And you know what? At that point, like, I don't really care if people think that. Like, if I were to uh, replace my hardware and then do that, then so be it. And that's one of the things that kind of stood out to me in Japan this year is normally I wasn't really paying attention to, like, what cameras people were having. But since we had, like, just talked about cameras, I was really tuned into it. And I saw so many people who had either the top end of what uh, Sony offers in APS-C or they had one of the full-frame Sonys. Like 95% hmm. of what I saw was that. Wow. Everything else I saw that, well, I mean, 95% of people with cameras, not like 95% of all photos. Um, but maybe like the 5% that's left is like the rare person with an SLR. But everything else was just like, some flavor of mirrorless Sony, either the A7 full frame or uh, a top end of the APS-C ones. And what was really interesting is I went to the electronics store and I kind of regretted it because I got to see the difference in both startup time and autofocus speed on 
modern Sony uh, APS-C cameras versus what I have. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. And it was so much faster and so much better than my camera that I almost like bought an Alpha 6600 right there. Um, Uh-oh. I-, I didn't though. But I think like the the redeeming thing that made me like that made me really happy is despite not having the quick startup time and despite not having the quick autofocus my photos are fucking amazing and like that's what at the end of the day like i was so happy about the thing is like i actually was more happy about my new lens purchase than i was disappointed that i didn't have the modern body to go with it and uh, i mean i'm probably going to buy a new body in the next one or two years like the that i'm a gear person that's like what i love to do is (laughs) buying new gear um but I don't feel as much in a hurry as I was before the trip. Yeah, and you know what? I don't think I am also in a hurry, but I had this feeling for a couple of years, and again, this trip is kind of confirming it again. Even if I this time I didn't bring the camera, is I felt then when I brought the camera, I spent a lot of money. I, I wanted it to be for a couple of years, which it ended up being a couple of years. But again, I still felt that I made not the right decision for me in the end. When I bought the DSLR, the DSLR, I need something smaller. And if I don't give up on it, and I'm not sure, I think that's kind of the conclusion here. I'm saying is cameras are getting good. I have uh, one last thing I want to maybe one last problem I have with the iPhone. I will bring up soon. But the conclusion is, from what I've realized, is my phone is good enough in most cases, unless I'm want to have like, like maybe like 5K resolution pictures. I'll be looking at those pictures on my phone, on my iPad. And right now I am looking at some of them to give me examples while I'm talking. And you know what? They're good enough. Like they're, and good enough is not bad. Like they're just really good. And looking at them on the phone. Yes, I'm not zooming 4X to see, oh, that this detail is meh compared to a DCLR, but I just like, and I had so much fun using the ultra wide angle. Uh, some of them are like, Yes, it looks like somebody that just got the ultra wide, uh, lens, uh, ultra wide angle lens and some of, uh, and some of them are just like amazing. So I'll learn to, uh, use this, uh, 16 millimeter like lens and use it for what it is for. And yeah, some of the pictures are not for what it is for. But if I want to go back to the next step, I feel that personally it needs to be something that is light and not a burden because you know what the iphone you can say whatever you want about the quality of picture it was so simple so not of a burden like i took pictures like shit ton of them and it was so nice because it was not a burden yeah and i have like two things i want to bring up real quick uh the first thing is like one of the things we really appreciate about the iPhone is there's basically just one button. There are no, well, I mean, you can download apps to add knobs and shit you can turn if you want to, but basically you're running it in auto or P mode. And what I did with my camera the entire time I was in Japan, it was entirely in P mode. And I know that there are certain shots that I wanted to get that I did not get because it was in P mode and I could have gotten a better photo uh, if I had switched over to aperture priority or shutter priority or whatever. Um, but for the most part, to me, it's worth missing a few of those shots just to have like the one button activation. Uh, and I think hmm. if you if you get a good enough camera, uh, just having it in auto or P is sufficient to have a significant upgrade over what you get out of an iPhone. The other thing to note about 
like we're talking about how the iPhone 11 Pro compares to big cameras is that most people that's not their frame of reference what their frame of reference is is their existing camera and like the bulk of the market for the last 10 years has been using like mid-range android phones that don't have fantastic cameras and relative to that the iphone 11 pro is fucking fantastic uh and there's a lot less to complain about with the iphone 11 pro if you're moving from a mid-range android phone or even like a five-year-old iphone like some of my friends have so like it's easy for us to nitpick because like we're used to buying the closest to the best device that we can get but that's not necessarily the perspective that everyone's going to have. And there's going to be a lot of people who are very happy with what they get out of the iPhone 11 Pro. And I don't want to nullify that all, all, at all by nitpicking about how much noise there is in the n- night photo. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I, I, I know you're, you're making fun of me a bit for, uh, because we're long, long time friends. Uh, I know you're like more or less from what I understood. You like, you like the picture you've seen and you were like super happy for me. But I, I'm saying that because. I understand that I, I might be lef- leaving some part of me there. And I'm a bit, a bit dramatic here just to just paint a picture and just say like, I might need to say, Hey, in 2019 and forward, what's better for me is a camera that can fit in my pocket and then a camera that is simple to manage because I suck at managing my pictures. And then on that note, we can move to software. <laughs> Before I move to software, I have one, one, one small complaint about the phone. And like I said a lot, is it's a great improvement over the iPhone X. Like Yannick mentioned, it's a great improvement for maybe your your Android phone that you got or your point-and-shoot that you still add, but then you start to use your iPhone plus your point-and-shoot in uh, because maybe your point-and-shoot has a bigger zoom. One thing that yet again Apple does, and they've been doing that for years with iPhone, iPhone photography is they always give you more with certain lenses and not enough in others that it's like, oh yeah, you got the ultra wide angle lenses, but the, its aperture is sucks compared to, let's say, the wide angle. And I was looking at the number because one of the main complaints I've seen is the ultra wide angle lens. Don't think about using it at night. You're more or less back to what you were with the, let's say, the iPhone 8 or the iPhone 10 with the wide angle at that time. Uh, I don't recall the exact aperture there, but uh, I have the numbers for the iPhone 11 Pro. So the ultra wide angle lens is at f 2.4, uh, the telephoto is at f 2.0, and the uh, wide angle is at f 1.8. And it does show that they've improved so much the wide angle lens to make it. The, I feel that it is the best one in your phone. And then what you realize, especially in low light scenarios, is that. You want to get this ultra wide angle effect, but the photo literally sucks. Like, you know, you'll take it and you'll just trash it because it is uber grainy more than some of the pictures you've seen, uh, because of some of the current limitation of those cameras. And you know what? I know why I, I, I wouldn't say I know, but I can understand why it's like you do the first step and then you can iterate and iterate and iterate. And let's say in two years, they might be more closer to each other because that's what we've seen between the wide angle and the telephoto but i wish maybe that at some point when they push the envelope a bit that they push with something new but still like make them average out that's a word way of saying it but i don't want to say oh no it's at night i don't i'm not able to take uh ultra wide pictures because it's it's lens is not uh, its aperture is not wide enough and 
that I'm sure we'll talk in a year and then that might be one of the reasons I was like, oh crap, I want to update my phone next year because that's a good example. And it kind of relates to your experience with your cameras. Like your body is good enough. Like the, the processing, the megapixel is more or less good enough. But when you want to fix those problems, you just change the lens and then voila, you fix that problem. And that's more or less what Apple is doing. And I wish sometimes they were a bit more aggressive in that. And if you can call that, that's my main complaint after my trip. Well, the way they present the three lenses as like a continuous camera is kind of part of the problem with what they're promising, right? It's because Mm -hmm. they're trying to pretend like this is one camera that lets you basically zoom from one end to the other and that it's more or less the same camera, except there are three distinct lenses with different properties. And until they can actually get those properties to be uniform across all the lenses, they sort of have to fudge things a bit to try and make it more or less uniform and if you actually know the details about how it works or use an application like halide or whatever to force things in certain ways uh you're going to be very conscious of the limitations with what apple has right now and like i I think most people who are just like taking whatever is in the frame when they launch the camera app and framing basing on that and pressing the button like they're going to be satisfied with what you but if you're going for a specific combination of things that you would expect will work. It might not work with the setup they have right now. Fully agreed. I think we've talked enough about hardware. That's my impression after a week with uh, in Disney and Universal Studio with the iPhone 11 Pro. Uh, if you've got a new phone, whether it's an iPhone 11 or 11 Pro, send me your like ultra-wide pictures uh, because I'm having, I had a lot of fun with it. So I'm eager to see what uh, creative things you would do with it because that's really what I did a week before. It's just like looking at all the blogs, looking at all the reviewers and see what the crazy thing they just did with those new lenses because it looks really good. Before we move away from hardware, I do have one note that I just remembered that I have to mention on the show because I took a photo of it, especially because of the show. And that is, I saw the one person who bought a Sony QX1, the oh, lens cameras. True. You sent it to me. At the Kawagoe Festival. I saw the one person, he appeared to be an official photographer for the city of Kawagoe taking photos of the festival on a QX1. And I was freaking out. My friends couldn't understand why I was freaking out. I was like, oh my God, it's the QX1. It's the one person who bought a Sony QX1. And I took photos and I sent it to the Caribbean right away. And I was like, holy shit, look at this guy. He's so cool. I forgot. Did you post it on Instagram? Uh, I didn't post it because I, I don't want to post like photos of a fe- uh, what is effectively a stranger. <laughs> um, True. Okay. No, I was just saying that because I would say we could have included the link in the show notes just uh, because... Seriously, that was quite nice. If you know me, I can show you the photo, but I'm not going to post it publicly. Perfect. So uh, that's a that's a that's a quite uh it's a quite good reason to know Yannick. Uh, it was personally. a few days after we recorded the podcast. Yeah, I was just <laughs> like, oh, this is perfect. Good. Let's move into software because again, because I'm using the iPhone, I feel this is kind of like a seamless transition. Meaning that I came back from vacay. I had literally nothing to do. The worst part was, and worse is in big quotes, is to get the photos from PhotoPass. Uh, my oh, friend right. Bertrand, who was on the trip, managed that all. So in the end, what we just did is to uh, share the picture with ourselves. Uh, but you know what? You take your phone, everything is in your iCloud photo library. That's so magic. You don't need to import. You don't need to change the metadata because you don't have the GPS, blah, blah, blah. Everything is there. Everything is GPS tag. 
until you start sharing those pictures with friends. <laughs> so we were more or less four iPhone users and Tony's friend. So the four of us, so it will be Tony, uh, Bertrand, and Annie, his girlfriend. We were uh, taking all the pictures. We end up just creating a iCloud shared album, which up to this point, I was quite happy. Like I was quite uh, happy by that feature. It worked well to work well. If you don't have too much pictures, I'll come on to that more later. But as a whole, when you share pictures and you receive a link, it's super easy to accept. They show up. It kind of becomes your personal. And I've seen people compare it to a kind of a private uh, Instagram because you can like uh, each other's pictures. You can comment on them. And all of that is literally like you decide who sees which album. Um, so yeah, I think the description of a private Instagram is quite uh, on point. So we put all of our pictures. When you try to upload a lot of pictures, uh, there's a lot of processing. I am. I wouldn't be surprised that a lot of the processing happens because most, if not all, my devices are still on optimized storage. And I think that's what I've seen from everybody that was trying to share. So it's kind of doing this funky dance of trying to download plus re-uploading at the same time. So there's some kind of weird processing. So sometimes you need to trust the system that it will work. Even if the system is not the greatest at give you indication that it is working hard to do what you ask it to do. Uh, but if you trust the system and it works, it works. Uh, a good example is by accident, I have uploaded my picture twice in the album because the first time <laughs> I tried, I thought it failed. Classic. And then three minutes later, I go to the album. It's like, oh, what the fuck? Why is there like 800 more pictures than it was supposed to be? Ah, that's because I uploaded them twice. Remember that I said that I took a lot of videos in this trip. Mm-hmm. And because of the, because some of those videos were attractions or even like shows or firework shows or projection shows, they are not like two or three minutes long. They might be 10, 15, 20 minutes long. And I've discovered two shitty limitation of <laughs> shared albums. First one is if your video is longer than 15 minutes, you'll be asked to trim it to 15 minutes. Wow. The other limitation is you can use your nice camera that does 4K60 and have fun and see it and uh, share it at 720p. Because the other limitation is, yes, 720p maximum. And after, I'll post uh, two links uh, in um, the show notes. Uh, both of them are about shared albums and photo stream limits and uh, like usage tricks. Uh, but there are a lot of limitation and I can't understand why. From what I gathered, you more or less get those for free. They don't really seem to count towards your iCloud storage. The limitations are quite high. Yes, there's those shitty limitations for videos, but for pictures, I think it's like 10,000 pictures per day, per person, per album. <laughs> Isn't that like photo stream limitations, more or less? Uh, no, no, because you have photo stream limitation, but you also have this new functionality, which is the shared, uh, iCloud shared album, which those limitations are higher. Hmm. Uh, let me open them. Yes, they are saying, they are saying that, of course, there's a maximum, uh, they're talking about the the width and the height. They are talking about uh, 2048 in width and in height of 
5400. They're talking about size of GIFs and which formats are for which format are supported. Uh, it includes RAW and saying that it's not supported by the PCs. They are saying that oh, excuse me, no, not 10,000. It's like uh, 5,000 photos and videos, and then you need to uh, remove them. And I'll f- so I realized that while they have limitations, uh, especially in the shared albums, some of the limitations are quite high. Um, yeah, I am a bit disappointed of the lim- the video limitation, but I can understand that, especially if the who owns the data on which iCloud and if Apple is kind of like hosting them for somewhat free for you, uh, I'm not surprised that they are imposing those limitations. Uh, the third one was that, let's say, I know most of the pictures that were uploaded in those were took by iPhones. So, as uh, we discussed in, long pa- in a lot about memories and all of those nice features that the Photos app does with all the metadata that the photo has, including GPS, for example, it kind of sucks when you download and save them from the shared album to your own uh, photo catalog that it loses said GPS metadata. So after running those three limitations, I kind of had a discussion with some of my friends that wanted to have my pictures and uh, that really wanted to keep that metadata, aka not Tony nor Annie, so many my best friend and I, and we end up trying to figure out a way to share those all those pictures between each other. Um, and we first went through AirDrop, which uh, worked <laughs> okay-ish. Uh, again, Remember, like what I said about uh, sometimes the experience with iCloud shared albums. Uh, when you upload pictures, it's kind of a bit of messy. You don't know what's happening if it's doing the right thing, and I wouldn't be surprised that it's caused by the optimal storage. Uh, if everything is locally stored, I wouldn't be surprised that it's less of an issue. Actually, I I have to jump in here because it's directly related to this. Have you heard about the issues with shared streams and Catalina? No, because I'm not on Catalina. Okay, well, maybe you won't want to upgrade to Catalina uh, because of this. Download originals to this Mac does not work for shared photos. What? It simply does not work in Catalina right now. <laughs> and in fact, if you upgrade to Catalina from uh, Mojave, your shared photos that have been cached locally will be deleted when you upgrade. Uh, there is an article by Tyler Hall on his blog. Uh, he had 112 wow. gigabytes of shared albums on his computer, and now they take up 250 megabytes because they are no longer downloaded locally in Catalina, and there is nothing he can do to fix it. Wow. Which so, is, is why, basically, like I will never trust iCloud shared photos with anything. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, I wouldn't be surprised that... That might not be the best. If you want to have a copy of somewhere, I feel you should really import them into your own catalog. Let's yes. call it this way. Your own personal catalog. You should not let the shared album be the source of truth. And I think that is the main issue with iCloud Photo. Is I feel that like a lot of the functionality in Photos that app are great. And I'll go with memories uh, because I have a lot to say about memories. But sharing pictures is still kind of is not frictionless and i hear from a lot of people saying that on google's photos it is nearly frictionless uh but i feel that some of the limitation i've heard about google photos uh, is kind of eh. uh if i'm coming about like uh re-encoding of videos to 720p and all of that shit uh at least with icloud shared photos the photos are like originals uh, even if they're not downloaded uh, on your local computer with uh, Catalina, you can still download them, I guess, uh, per, per photos. Well, Google Photos takes originals as long as you pay for it. 
Ah, it's the okay, free that's... tier that reencodes. Ah, okay, that's the misunderstanding uh, I got with it. But still, uh, I do feel that a lot of the shared, the, the the intelligent sharing that Google Photo is doing. I think, like, let's say we have a, a shared album, you and I, and it detects your face in one of my pictures. It will ultimately put it in your bucket. Like that is magic. Maybe sometimes too magic, but like it shouldn't be stressful for me to share pictures with friends especially in a shared album because i don't know if the ui is doing the right thing uh or letting me know that it's doing the right thing for me um so i feel that there's a there's a middle ground there that apple could move towards that it's not so what we end up doing is i airdrop all my pictures to him uh, on his phone uh because i didn't want to get all of his pictures and triage them what i did is i just took one of my test devices that had enough space and just uh, he aired up it on it. So then I went manually and uh, selected the one I wanted to have in my assets. So I then aired up them back. So in this way, we could get all the metadata that would get on the original pictures that it seems that shared album was stripping out. Even in, I know maybe some people will say, hey, when you share to, to the shared album or you airdrop, there's a feature that says, oh, remove GPS data or remove metadata. All of them were off, meaning we want the GPS data so it's at on and we want all the metadata on and still then didn't work. Why? Don't know. After doing all of this and trying to find for the fifth friend that was on the trip, a way because she's on Android and on PC, a way to share, I kind of remembered that there's this new way of sharing pictures on the iCloud, uh, on iOS 12 that was introduced in iOS 12, just called, I think it's like iCloud photo share links. I forgot the exact name, but I think that's an appropriate description, which is more to say you select a picture, say like, give me a public link for these pictures. I'll add Dropbox. Uh, and that seemed to work quite nice. And we, I guess we could have done that with Bertrand without using AirDrop because I've done that. Again, UI is a bit weird. It says, oh, processing, blah, 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 downloading, blah, blah, blah. Uh, this like kind of uh, alert with a spinner in it. And it's not a spinner. It's a like, kind of a par, a pie progress bar and uh, progress indicator. So it like, it will fill the whole like circle. Uh, sometimes it gets stuck for a couple of seconds, sometimes a couple of minutes. Um, but in the end, it gives me a link. It's a link with an expiry date. I think it's a month old. Uh, I see it on my phone that I've shared this link. If any, at any moment I want to kill it, that's what I send it to you, by the way, too. That yeah. has kind of a me trying this feature. Uh, it seems to me that I guess, I don't know if you, I think on your, f- when you click on the link, it opened in Safari, right? It yeah. didn't try to open it in, uh, uh, in the photos of the app. No. From what I've seen, if it was video, you can play the video directly from this web interface. Uh, I was just trying because my friend was running two issues, but, uh, we figured out it was her PC or she said it could be my PC. It's old and blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, okay. Uh, but like downloading, you can either download everything, select a batch, download them. If you're an iCloud user, download them into your iCloud photo library or just download them locally. Of course, with iOS 13, it works with Safari on the iPad. Uh, so I was quite impressed and kind of, uh, sad that I didn't try that first and just went to airdrop, but airdrop is airdrop. It kind of more or less works. So there's that. So again, this feature of those shareable links are yet a different way to share pictures. But again, you need to ask your friend to send them to you and then you add them in your own catalog to 
but at least it's a way to get the originals from what I've seen. Um, so mixed feeling around with this feature. I guess it was a good way to send the original in an easy way, especially when I have, I think, like 50 gigs of data because videos in 4K are big. Uh, to a friend on a PC, I guess that's going to work great. Um, I'll keep everybody posted because she says, I'm going to slowly but surely download them. So I'll keep you posted if you're around to issues. But all of this to say is, I was an app user of iCloud for the library, mainly because I didn't do too much sharing. Now that I need to, I needed to do a bit more sharing. I kind of see why pe- some people don't like it, because I would say like, like, yeah, I don't have a kid yet. Uh, it's mostly Tony and I. Uh, we do have a shared album where we put everything, not everything, we put a lot of shit there, and that used to work oh quite well. But I felt that if you had, you wanted to have more albums, maybe like. You were doing some manual organization, making sure that like Tony might have access to my photo, uh, access to my photo. I know my, my parents ask me that. They're like, yeah, I cloud doesn't do that. Uh, I feel that there's a lot to improve on that aspect. The, the shareable kind of the, the social networkness, uh, there's improvements. And I feel that a shared album needs some love because the premise of it being your own private testament that you can control is neat. But I feel that they need to go to the next step with it. And sadly, this year, they didn't do too much. Like last year with iOS 12, they bring a new shareable feature. But I was expecting them to maybe up the game on this a bit, especially with what Google did in the past year. They kind of did not. The new UI is great, but meh. Another good advantage that I will say I was talking about is memories. I know we discussed that in the last episode. Yannick, you were kind of saying, I'm not sure if I like this feature. Nah, nah, nah. Oh my effing god, I should show you the, the memories it did. Uh, what I realized too is memories when you have videos, it becomes video heavy. Yeah. So sometimes the choice it did for, uh, which footage to show was a bit strange. But as a whole, I was playing with it last night and playing with the music option with the length option because I think it's like, like short normal and then long and as a whole like i will i'm about to go like this weekend i'll have to go show those pictures to my parents and maybe i'll just start with this Mm -hmm. because it really captured the essence of the trip strangely enough and with just me doing literally zero thing like i did nothing i just opened my phone i went to memories and it was like oh you went to florida from the november 2nd to November 8th or November 9th excuse me do you want to see the memory I'm like yes and press play and I was like wow so a lot a lot of the AI that Apple is doing to create these like of course it could be better because like something I was like just filming us arriving to a train station there's nothing nicer about it and it was showing that I was like okay you could have skipped this one <laughs> Uh, but the remaining was like, oh no, it showed when we were at Harry Potter. They showed some of the pictures at Disney. They were mixing a lot of our footage. And because a lot of the video footage I did was uh, a lot of those event, uh, events, like, it may, literally makes you relive what you just experienced a week or two ago. And mainly for that, that's just like perfect. And literally the fact I had nothing to do. Mm-hmm. To make it happen with my Costa Rica pictures, <laughs> it was a job, mainly because a shit ton of my pictures were from my camera. And I knew that I wanted to have the GPS and I know I'm a bit anal about all of that stuff. With the phone, like, it, 
takes the GPS. It takes, uh, the, the time is already set because you know, cellular data and a lot of the burden I had to do to properly make sure that my photo will come out of the camera the right way. The iPhone does it just, does, just does it for you. So then those functionality that Apple added in the recent years with photos, mainly memories and faces, now they just work like more or less like magic. And people are blaming Apple sometimes say like, oh yeah, but they for sure they, they don't, they're, they're not frictionless. But this was an amazing example of it being frictionless. I went to the, I went in the new for you tab. I went to some of my memories I was suggesting and I pressed play. Boom. I was crying. <laughs> not literally, but close to literally. And yeah, some of them are cheesy. Like right now I'm looking at it, but in general, especially for big trips. And I think your main, if I recall, your main criticism was because you spend so much in like, like your duration of your trip in Japan is so long. It kind of confuses uh, photos a bit because they're spending like literally three or four weeks or even like in the past was like a month or two. Yeah. So, uh, but like literally it says here at uh, Florida, like from November 2nd to November uh, 8th. And they've already created some sub memories uh, they are they consider other different memories but there's one literally about uh the day we were at universal studios uh so the day we spent most uh, of our day uh, at star wars and such and they've created some memories for that and i expect in the next few days weeks and months that they'll recreate some more and not just one big just a couple of days after but just give me all oh, remember what you did this day and on top of that, and I think that part is new from uh, iOS 13 with the For You tab, there's also like a, a section called, um, oh my goodness, I need to translate now, but it says uh, like highlighted pictures or like... I think it's featured picture. photos. Yeah, that will be featured photos. That will be features photo. No, 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 now I mention it and I look at the, what's written in French, featured photo would be nice. And you know what? Like, Yeah, that's full. what it's called. I am scrolling, and yes, there's pictures from previous trips, but mainly right now, features photos are pictures from the trip, and there are strangely enough a mix, a good mix of the professional photo we took at Disney and some of the phone pictures, and that I liked a lot. So what's interesting is I'm looking at my for you now because I haven't really looked at it since I came back from the trip, and my memories are kind of worthless. Um, it, <laughs> okay. And I think the main reason it gets kind of confused is not just the duration of my trips, but also it, it doesn't group things into like Tokyo metropolitan area. It really goes like literally at the municipal level. It doesn't seem oh. to like recognize like these three cities are in three neighboring prefectures that are quite small. And therefore they're not three distinct trips. They're one trip. Um, but it just seems to choke on that. But then when I scroll down under featured photos in sharing suggestions, there's yeah, yeah, yeah. Chiodaku to, to Atamishi, which is a terrible thing to try to pronounce when there's <laughs> something that could be a Japanese word in the middle of there. Um, but it says October 16th to 31st, which is my trip, my whole trip. But that is not available as a memory. It's just available as a sharing subscription. And I'm like, I don't know what I have no, to no, do. No, no, no. No, no, hear me out because I had the same thing. And that's the first thing that's where I saw it is uh, a sharing suggestion because now I have a couple for the Florida trip. And one of them is literally uh, for the whole trip. It also detected 
everybody i think there was only my friend the only uh, our friend virginie that i had to uh, tag her manually to so they uh, uh to tag her face because they found her but they were didn't know who she was uh but for all like for tony for any birthday like they are already the contact so now I could say share but if you select one and you go in the top right corner there's a oh, top add to memories and then there's add to memories well there you go and then you can transform this sharing suggestion into a memory uh, and yeah that's also a nice new trick i found so as soon as I've cleared out my duplicates, because right now I have like 13 versions of each photo, uh, I will try <laughs> that out and see if it works. Okay. Um, now that you're bringing back up your duplicates, uh, I want to quickly go through some apps and that's last section. It's going to be quick. I said that I want, want to try Gemini, but I did not. I uh, guess I'll do it at some point. Uh, one of the apps I bought before leaving, before I decided to not bring my camera, so kind of bought it for no reason is the app called metaphor oh right yeah yeah and that's the one i was talking about that is there to edit the metadata of your pictures i did a test i just had fun playing when i came back and literally this app will replace my apple script nice because you can lift gps coordinate from one photos select all the other photos and just do paste and it just works from what I can gather right now, you can also do that for a lot of the XLIF data. You can lift it from one pictures. I'm not sure if you can share it easily. Uh, I know they kind of focus on changing the dates, changing the location, uh, but they do say that you can copy. Yeah, I'm trying it now. You can copy other uh, other section of the XLIF metadata, uh, but whether you can reapply it or not, I have to play with it. But my main goal for this would be to either change the dates uh, because that right now would always add to go to the max, like the pictures do command I and then, oh, I think there's a change. There's a menu in photos to change the dates. Uh, so I guess metaphor will allow me to do that on iOS. And also once I use my camera, I can also put the GPS data because as we discussed, uh, in the past episode, I really like the maps view mm-hmm. and the more pictures I can have on my maps view, the better I feel because now it looks nice. Uh, but now apps like these are improving uh, my life. So all of this to say is I end up in the software section with saying that more and more throughout the years, my dependency on the Mac is more or less moving away. And now I feel that I can right now fully do everything I used to do on Aperture, on the Mac, on iPad. And yes, sadly, I'm, sadly, I'm not sure if it's the right <laughs> word, but let's just sadly because something changed. Let's put it this way. It used to be in one app. Now, ignoring, I didn't talk too much about photo editing because I haven't started too much yet. Whether I will start or not, that's another topic. <laughs> uh, but let's say that I would like to start now. Uh, I might have need, I might need to have another app. And I think you tried one of those apps. Uh, but all this is, it's a bit sad that you need to have multiple apps, but it feels right now like with the way Apple is adding new APIs for developers to help you fix that gap, uh, that there are apps to fix that gap and make sure that everything you were doing on the Mac on Aperture, you can more or less do it on iOS now. And that to me is like 
another burden, another burden removed. Yes, I don't need to go spend hours in front of my Mac. I can just do it slowly but surely on my iPad. And because I can do it on my Mac, I can do it for from anywhere that has internet, of course. It, it always depends like what editing you're doing, right? Because I don't think you're necessarily the kind of person who was jumping into the curves tool for each of your photos and adjusting the black point and everything. Uh, I did a bit with Aperture, but yes, uh, I got bored fast. Yeah. I'll be honest. But yeah, I felt that I've, I kind of understood enough to be too dangerous. Mm-hmm. But I did not understand those concepts enough to just be quick and then figure out, oh, I need to do just do like looking at the graph. Oh, I need to just like put a bit more blue and then boom, it will be okay. Or just change this like the, I don't know, sharpness and then boom, it will fix my problem. So I know what everything meant, but I was not proficient enough to just like do the one time thing and then fix it. So do you actually want me to talk about my photo editing, how that's changed since of last course. episode? Okay. Of course. So on the last episode, I kind of mentioned that I was using an application called Darkroom. Uh, yes. And mainly the thing I was doing in that is I had a preset that I had created for myself that boosts like two or three things, little adjustments that I do on basically every photo that I take. I kind of discussed throughout the last episode that I was thinking about picking up Pixelmator Photo. Uh, I bought it a couple days before leaving and I played around with a couple of photos and I loved it so much that I switched to it immediately. Uh, I still use dark mode for one specific thing and that is on the iPhone, if I'm taking photos for Instagram, I still want to apply that same preset to it that I used to have. And because both Pixelmator Photo and Darkroom are based on the same core image filters, the same values can transfer from one app to the other. So I just have the same preset in both apps and I can have a consistent look to my iPhone and my camera photos. Wow, that's nice. Uh, One of the things I was excited about for Pixelmator Photo was a batch mode because I basically have this preset that I want to apply to all of my photos or all of the good photos anyway. Uh, And (laughs) the idea was I could multi-select all of the photos that were in my favorites or whatever. I could tag them in some way and then apply the same adjustments to all of these things. The batch mode is actually even more powerful than I thought because you can do things like um, there's an automatic straightener uh, so it can fix your horizons and stuff. There's an automatic crop tool to try and crop out junk that shouldn't be in the photo. Um, Those can be somewhat hit or miss, but what's interesting is they're all machine learning powered. So they're not just like dumb algorithms. They're actually kind of smart sometimes. Um, They're also kind of hit or miss. So I made like two variants of my preset. I made one that applies auto crop, auto straighten. Uh, And then I realized sort of a limitation of the batch mode, which is if you use the batch mode, it bakes everything into a final image. Uh, If you do your adjustments manually or apply presets manually. It saves the metadata of the individual adjustments uh, next to the photo so that when you reopen the photo, you can actually go toggle and modify the values of that adjustment. Whereas if you use the batch mode, it basically acts as if that was the original photo. Uh, You can still revert to the original, but you can't tweak it after the fact. Yeah, you cannot use the power of it being metadata attached to the photos, which is, I think, one of the most powerful tools that Apple did for photo extension. It's literally, don't change the raw image, just attach it as metadata. Yeah, well, it renders out like a preview image, but yeah, I, I get what you mean. Um, so basically, I sort of did this thing where uh, I batch all the favorites, 
and I treat them with my like full auto preset that does the auto crop, auto straighten. Then I look at uh, the library view and I find all of the photos that do not look good. Uh, and more often than not, it's the straighten's fault because the straighten will just be like, I saw a straight line and this is the longest straight line. It's not the correct straight line, but I used the longest straight line and now that's your horizon. And it's like, no, that's a street sign. That's not the horizon. <laughs> Don't do that. Um, so I, I look for all the ones that feel off. Then I revert those and I manually apply my non-auto preset and I go fix the crop and the straighten myself. Uh, and then when I do that, those photos have the metadata tag next to it so I can go back and tweak it. This is incredibly efficient. I was also mentioning that I was going to use the batch mode to actually like mark the edited photos so that my uh, duplicate uh, removal tool could just do that. Uh, I found that actually like marking them using favorites with the hearts in the photos app first and then batching them is more efficient than just using the batch directly. Um, because then when I revert a photo, I don't remember which one is the good one and which one isn't, and I have to figure it all over again. Um, so I just use favorites first, then batch edit, and then if I want to remove the favorites on them, I'll just unfavorite them. And you use the fee, the favorites functionality from follows the app. Yes. Okay. What, what's nice also about favorites is it generally guarantees that that photo is going to stay cached on all your devices if you're optimizing storage, uh, which if you're trying to show photos to people offline without using data, that can be useful as well if you didn't know that trick. So what this actually meant is that my fancy camera photos were fully edited before I even left Japan. Wow. All of my photos were fully edited before I even got on the plane to leave Japan, which uh, is a record for me. I've never actually done that much editing in real time so if you have an ipad and you are importing photos from a camera i highly recommend using pixelmator photo because it is probably the fastest thing you can get editing done efficiently with on an ipad right now and i really like the results i uploaded a bunch of photos to facebook the other day and putting aside the fact that facebook's image compression is downright disgusting and everything like that's where the people are so i don't have a choice uh <laughs> but yeah i mean uh, I, i'm very satisfied with my photos they're incredibly good especially those photos when i was completely shit faced drunk during the festival yeah it, it was just a phenomenal photography trip i i must say and I, I love all the photos I got out of it. Oh, I would say the same from my pictures and my trip and also the pictures you posted. They look quite great. So, Yeah, that was only about a third of them that I uploaded to Facebook. I have more, except usually there are like people in them who don't want their photos to be published publicly and stuff like that. So, Yeah, I guess next time we see each other face to face, I'll just borrow your phone and look through them. Yeah. Good. And on that note, um, I say that without really believing it. But I hope we'll be done talking about photos for the next few while. I know that's a lie. I know because I know that's one of our favorite topics, uh, whether it's in the podcast and, uh, and while we chat online or when we see each other. Uh, but I feel that it has been a while uh, before we started with the last episode, but it has been a while since we covered photography. And I felt we did a great 2019 upgrade uh, update on everything photo related for you and I. Yeah. And that's it. All right, so if you want to find the show notes for this episode, you can find them at limitlesspossibility.net slash 124. Or you can find every episode of our show at limitlesspossibility.net. 
You can find the show on Twitter at Limipo underscore podcast. That's L-I-M-I-P-O underscore podcast. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Sakurina. That's S-A-K-U-R-I-N-A. And you can find Lucadivier at Luconoch. That's L-U-C-C-O-N-O-U-C-H-E. And we'll see you in two weeks. See you in two weeks.